Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, how you doing? Welcome to the program. Nice of you to uh, join us. Uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, the gremlins won't be with us today. It is um, Thursday. I guess, March uh, something or other, 14th, heading into St. Patrick's Day. I have to end, and a happy St. Patrick's Day general celebrations weekends to all my um, Irish uh, friends. <laughs> it's not a holiday I've ever personally gotten into, so I, I, I'm saying it now because I might forget otherwise. I'm forever the only one not wearing green. I I just... It, it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, happy St. Pat's Day, whenever the hell it is. When is it? Sunday, actually? It's the 17th, isn't it? Um, but, uh, okay, so that's that's all I got. Um, I don't know. As usual, I don't know where to start. Uh, back in the day, when I had three hours of time to fill on a talk my talk radio show I I would often you know be peering into that endless maw of uh, dead air and thinking what the hell am I gonna talk about and um, we didn't have Trump back then so I mean it was a real problem some days <laughs> but now geez all I got's a measly hour and I can't pack it all in it's a totally different problem I, but I, I was thinking yesterday that I've been talking about Trump too much this week, and I'm feeling it. You know? I'm grumpy. But I do have to uh, talk uh, a bit about it. First of all, the Manafort sentence was, I think, a disappointment to a lot of people. We were led to believe he'd be going away for a long, long time, and after the first judge went easy on him, we were we were led to believe that the second judge would throw the book at him, and she really didn't either. So um, I was delighted to hear that uh, Cyrus Vance, that's who it is, right? Cyrus Vance, the attorney general, no, the DA, get all these, all these prosecutors straight, the district attorney of New York City uh, immediately filed, what is it, 16 criminal charges against Manafort, uh, which, which was essentially, I think, saying to President Trump and to Manafort and his attorneys, hey guys, you know, you can just stop doing your little dance and routine to get presidential pardon because we're going to get you and there ain't no presidential pardon, pardon that's going to work for a conviction in our jurisdiction. So I, uh, I appreciated that bit of one upsmanship on the, on the part of uh, Cyrus Vance. Now, for you old-timers, that name rings a bell, right? Cyrus Vance. It's a strange name, but it doesn't sound strange to me because I've heard it much of my life uh, following news. And I'm trying to place Cyrus Vance, I'm assuming the father of uh, the New York District Attorney, I'm trying to place him in the cabinet that he was in and his position. Was he Secretary of State? Um, <laughs> the name I remember, but I'm having trouble placing him on uh, American uh, presidential history timeline. Cyrus Vance. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll wait for my betters to let me know. Um, so I, I'm just saying that that's this this slime ball uh, is is not getting away. He's just not going to get away as it should be. 
Um, have you noticed, by the way, this uh, uh, when his attorneys came out of the courtroom and did their little uh, news conference, this obligatory news conference, uh, there was, I saw a picture, a still picture, and there was a picture of a guy standing behind uh, the attorney for Manafort, and he's dressed absurdly. He's got, you know, some, I don't know, can't remember now, but like purple hair and big glasses or something, and he's holding up a sign right behind him, and the sign says, this is a sign. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I remember, I saw it and I thought, ha ha, but how annoying that must be for the photojournalists who are trying to get a picture of this, you know, moment, and they can't, they can't get around the guy who wants to be in the picture with his this is a sign. Turns out that the this is a sign guy um, has been showing up at a lot of DC events and he's kept his, uh, he's anonymous, he doesn't do interviews, he doesn't say who he is and um, you know so he's a character and uh, you might be seeing him more and more. The guy saying this is a sign. Some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the really impassioned folks who uh, show up at, you know, outside of courthouses with their signs um, don't like him. And that's because they perceive what he's doing as, as mockery um, of, of their signs, which they put some, uh, you know, some work into. Um, but yeah, the, this is a sign guy. He, he, he's got like a purple, I don't know if it's a hat or hair. And at first I thought, because he was in the distance, I thought he had on like a Michael Jackson costume and was holding up this is a sign, which I think would have actually been better. He might want to re rethink things. But he is, uh, you know, just following in the footsteps of, Remember the guy? Oh, God. I, he used to drive me crazy. It didn't matter what the sporting event was. You remember the guy with the rainbow afro uh, always holding up uh, a biblical, what was it, John something. And I don't even know what the, John 316 or, 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 or something. And... Um, by the way, that guy, his name, we, he came to be, you know, a celebrity of sorts. I never could figure out how he could get the tic tickets, like, you know, right behind home plate for very important games or right. How did he, how did he pull that off? Anyway, that guy, I want to tell you, uh, this is uh, the rest of the story. Uh, he is currently in prison. <laughs> reading his Bible, I'm sure. He is in prison, um, and I can't give you specifics of the crime, but he's in prison for uh, ho hostage-taking. <laughs> Just one of those odd little things that, you know, when you're reading and looking around that you, you come upon. Uh, I'm struggling with my, my computer here. Cyrus Vance, thank you, all you folks. Uh, geez, you all came through. Barbara, Beth, Milton, thank you very much. Uh, he was Secretary of State under Carter. Okay. I was tr trying to place him, but he... Uh, um, oh, and Beth is also saying he was really instrumental in uh, the Camp David Accords, which was... Wow seems like a long time ago, which brought uh, Yasser Arafat, uh, head of the PLO, and um, Menachem Begin, I think, um, to shake hands and uh, make a kind of uh, peace agreement. So Cyrus Vance, yeah, so that has to be his kid now who is the... Um, 
who is the, yeah, so he was also Secretary of the Army and, uh, right, Secretary of State. And he was, what? Jeez, it's a real political family. He was the adoptive son of the Democratic presidential nominee in 1924 who would have lost to, that was a guy named John W. Davis. And he, in 1924, would have lost to who? Coolidge? Boy, is my, you know... I, this is why I would never win on Jeopardy. I can't, I, I, I can't come up with things that I know are in there somewhere, but I can't come up, I can't access them fast enough. Uh, <laughs> Louise, this is great. She says she can't wait until some wonderful person comes with a sign uh, that, with an arrow pointing at it. And his sign would say, this is a jerk, <laughs> standing next to the this is a sign guy. Well, you could end up with this, you know, this could go on endlessly, couldn't it? Well, you know, you have to get, you have to get your, uh, your chuckles wherever you, wherever you can get them these days. So when I left here yesterday, uh, we still were the only country that, uh, I think there might be one other, some little place, someplace, but as far as I know, the only country still letting these uh, 737 MAX <coughs> 8s fly. And um, I just want to say, this again is shows how far down uh, Donald Trump has brought this country. Because it was always in our lifetime that American aviation and the Federal Aviation Agency, the FAA, were the people who every country looked to, to lead in regard to aviation safety. We were the leaders. And now we're last. We're the last ones. China was the leader. And it's for, I know those who care about, well, we should all care about aviation safety, but those really, really, I'm wrong on camp. It was Begin and Sadat. Okay, see, this is why I'm, I would never, even if I got on Jeopardy, I wouldn't go on because I'd embarrass myself. Although for the last three days, I have gotten the final Jeopardy answer. And in some instances where the smarty pants, you know, on the show didn't, and I'm screaming at the TV, I, and I can't remember, of course, any of them now, but I had the answer. Just saying. It was not Yasser Arafat. <laughs> Shaking hands with Menachem Begin. Well, wait, that was Clinton got Yasser Arafat to shake hands with who? <laughs> who did he shake hands with? I don't know. Um, but Camp David, which was Jimmy Carter, with his toothy grin standing in between Menachem. No, it was... Standing in between, God dang it, um, Begin. Yeah, it was Begin, but Sadat. Oh, yeah, that's what got Sadat assassinated. That's right. This is how that side of the Middle East quandary uh, handles, you know, a would-be peacemaker. Sadat, president of Egypt, sticks his neck out, and uh, bango, that was the end of him. Uh, geez. And then, of course, Rabin, the Israeli prime minister, who attempted many times to make peace with the PLO, he gets assassinated by an ultra-lunatic right-wing 
nationalist a-hole Israeli. So it's these, you know, it's always the guys on the ends of the spectrum that that manage that manage to always interdict would that be the word close off stop even if they have to assassinate their own head of state they stop peace processes both sides have them it's unbelievable uh ouch what Bob says, is Pittsburgh Recycling Services now sponsoring your show? Why is that can there? What? Ah, shit. No, they're not. But we'll, um, I'm, yeah, that will be out of the shot. Um, if they want to, they could. Is that what you guys are seeing? That's what you see, Pittsburgh Recycling Services and a garbage can? That's the backdrop to the show? I thought you were talking about my giant eagle ruby red grapefruit sparkling seltzer water. By the way, every bit as good as the much uh, more expensive Le Okay. Um, and two, Bob says... I really will. I'm going to, that's gone. Uh, the rainbow guy, who you're talking, uh, I was talking about, Roland Stewart, who uh, held the John 316 signs at various sporting events throughout the late 70s into the late 80s, is, uh, he's incarcerated. Yeah, right. Well, Boy, you guys are prolific emailers today. I'm never going to get back to anything I was going to I'm just reading your emails. I'm enjoying them very much. Uh, Barbara says, funny, I saw this is a sign for the first time yesterday, too. Well, I, yeah, it's the first time I saw it, too. And, um, but he apparently has uh, been showing up at these things quite a bit. Um, and I, Barbara took it to mean... This is a sign of our deteriorating democracy. Truth, facts, liar-in-chief, and all of the grifters and crooks in and around the White House, including Manafort's lawyer who is part of it, who is lying about the judge, and blah, blah, blah. So that's a, well, maybe that's why the sign, his sign, this is a sign, is so brilliant. Because we can all, impose upon it whatever we want it to mean some people you know this is a sign of the end times or this is a sign just mocking the whole holding signs thing which is sort of what I took it to be um, I'll tell you mostly what it is whoever the guy is in the purple thigmajig holding the sign it's um it's an effort to get attention. <laughs> we can now add successful effort to get attention because here we are all talking about him, even though we don't know his name, but he's gotten noticed and, uh, and he's making people wonder about him. Okay, just finishing up. Uh, okay, the prime minister with Arafat was... Ehud Barak. I, you know, all these sort of historical photos, pictures, just sort of like meld in my uh, in my withering brain. Yes, Milton, I wanted to talk about this. Milton is saying, do you remember about a year ago when Trump wanted his the guy who flies his own plane to head the FAA. <laughs> um, yes, he did. And that got shot down. And there is, like so many other agencies in the country right now, there is no head of the FAA right now. It's amazing how 
I guess he's too busy packing. The only thing he's doing is nominating judges. And Mitch McConnell's checking them off, and the senators over there, that's all they're doing. That's the lasting legacy of his will be the packing of the federal judiciary with uh, Federalist Society right-wing guys just barely past puberty, so they'll be there for the rest of our lives. But does the FAA need a head? No. Does the Defense Department need anybody? Does, <laughs> does the VA, does this, that? I can't keep up with all of the agencies that are operating uh, without a Senate-approved head. They're just usually a bureaucrat who has, is holding the fort. So that is what we got at the FAA right, right now. So, why did we, all of us, just intrinsically know that those planes needed to be grounded? And the American people knew because they voted with their feet. People weren't getting on those planes. A lot of people weren't. Um... And I saw that the FAA said that they finally decided to do this because they got satellite information that clearly showed that the Lion Air uh, flight that went down and this one in Ethiopia that went down essentially had the exact same arc. I mean, the same thing happened. And that information was out there. How come I knew that? So that's bull that they just, that was generally, I think, understood before they had that satellite stuff because I remember it being opined about uh, shortly after the crash occurred, the Ethiopia crash. Um, And a guy who was the uh, chair of the National Transportation Safety Administration way back when says, hey, here's the facts. If you have a new model uh, airplane and it crashes, killing everybody on board, and less than five months later, the same airplane goes down in the same way, killing everybody on board there is no way that you don't ground that plane immediately Uh, and he says that the FAA stood alone as the only major aviation safety agency in the world that didn't order the grounding is an extraordinary loss of leadership in this area. And you know the black box when recovered was not sent to the United States where the plane was made and where the plane was certified. Because I don't think the people who are investigating this crash trust us. It was sent to France. And I mentioned the other day that I had heard an interview on my way into work. And this, this piece today in the New York Times uh, so says the same things. This, um, the FAA rolling over and not doing what it is to do, which is regulate the airlines and step in when something like this happens, the reason they didn't do it is that they pretty much gave up a lot of their power back in 2005. That would be the Bush presidency, George W. presidency. Wouldn't it? (laughs) If there's one thing I shouldn't do, it's dates. I mean, because I don't know, but I think. You know, someone will write in and say, no, Colin, honest to Pete, that was Millard Fillmore, for God's sake. But whatever. Anyway, they uh, changed the rules. It had to be under Republicans. 
they changed the rules so that the FAA did not certify the safety of aircraft, new aircraft. The airline that, it was the people who built it certified it. So they were, I mean, I can't even believe that that would be something that is true, but that is what it is. Rather than than putting in the FAA's own airworthiness representatives to review these planes, the FAA decided to allow Boeing and other airplane manufacturers to select their own employees to certify the safety of the plane. So the FAA said, you know, we don't need to be doing this. You guys know more about the plane than we do. You built it. You love it. It's your baby. You sign off on it. So that has been what the FAA has. If Boeing says it's safe, it's safe. And that's where the FAA was until yesterday. They keep saying it's safe. Since this change was made, uh, the aviation industry has, in fact, introduced two new aircraft types. And they're both Boeing. 2013 Boeing's, you'll remember this, 787 Dreamliner. It was grounded because of fires that breaking out, because of lithium batteries in the plane. Um, and now we have this, 737 MAX 8. Congress needs to look into this, as if they don't have enough to look into, and they need to get back to having an actual regulatory agency in the FAA and not a lapdog to Boeing and uh, Lockheed Martin, right? I mean, come on! So... Our position in the world. Yeah. Okay, so there was that. I want to do a, a, a shout-out to a Pittsburgh um, headquartered, I'm not sure exactly where they are, but they're definitely in our area, um, uh, business. And even though I don't have reason to go in there, I'm making a point of going in and spending some money there. And that would be, and I'd urge you to too, Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, that is uh, based in the Pittsburgh area. And Dick's, as you'll recall, after... Parkland, after the shooting in Parkland, the CEO, Edward Stack, his name is, found out that the shooter in that case had in fact bought a gun at Dick's. It was not the gun he used in the massacre at that high school, but Edward Stack, the Dick CEO, seeing that, that he had bought a gun at Dick's, it shook him. And so Edward Stack, a longtime gun owner, and Dick's, one of the largest firearms retailers in the United States, decided that he was going to make it a lot harder to pick up a gun or a rifle from Dick's. 
And then he got very active in gun control uh, politics. He aligned himself with gun control activists, and all hell broke loose on him and Dix from the NRA and uh, gun lovers, gun sellers, gun buyers, the firearms industry. And he was not deterred. He, in fact, went and got guns totally out of some of his stores, including, I think, the one, the ones here, at least the one I'm thinking of in Homestead. And it has hurt the bottom line there. Even so, two days ago, Dix announced that it would strip firearms from 125 more of its stores and replace that merchandise with non-lethal sporting stuff like batting cages and ski stuff, other sports gear. So even though there let me see. Adjusted sales fell 3% in the 12 in the last 12 months at Dick's. Um some of Dick's employees were outraged at what he did and they resigned. Uh the National Shooting Sports Foundation expelled Dick's from its membership. Uh, Mr. Stack has said he has received uh, threats and has had to increase security to protect him and his company and some of his stores, but he says he has no plans whatsoever to curb his gun safety efforts. And in fact, as I said, he's going to scale back. Well, here, headline from... The, um, I'm not sure, this looks like the New York Times print. Dick's, Dick's scales back guns even as sales lag. Wow. I want to go over there and buy something. And I just want you guys, because you... Name me a big company that will, I mean, do that. It's, it's hurting us somewhat, but it's the right thing <laughs> to do. Imagine that. And when we see somebody in a position of power, uh, do the right thing. We have got to be there for them. So they got nice clothes, too, I want to tell you. Exercise clothes, um, stuff, shoes, great athletic shoes. <laughs> Just saying, get on out there and, and buy, let's support them. There are guys, Dick's Sporting Goods, okay? Um, what else, what else, what else? I feel like I'm... Did you see the jury that was uh, impaneled for the the trial of the cop who killed Antoine Rose here? I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Is it Rosfeld or Roosevelt? Whatever. This is what happens when you don't watch local news. You, you don't know pronunciations. But that jury was picked in Dauphin County. Uh... And it's got nine whites, three blacks, two black women, one black male, and trying to think what else. Oh, and some of the whites. Did I read that one of the whites' boyfriends 
is a state trooper, so her boyfriend's a cop. And there's another cop-related um, other juror. And uh, reading that, all I have to tell you is this cop's going to get off. Anyone want to bet? Going to be just the latest white cop shooting a black kid, and he's going to get off. Just look at the jury. It ain't going to happen. So, uh, Pittsburgh gets so much uh, good press that um, I, I wanted to alert you to something that was in yesterday's Wall Street Journal. We ran out of time, so I didn't get to it. But it, it was more than half a page, and it was page three. So that's a big yeah, turn from the van. There it is, and it's staring you in the face, and it conjures up stuff that we don't want p people to think about. It's a whole big, long article about how Pittsburgh's air sucks. Now, it looks better, so it's not smoky and... The lights don't come on at noon anymore. But our air quality sucks. And what is apparently causing a lot of why it got back in the press is, of course, steel mills. And that would be U.S. Steel, specifically. And uh, the Clareton uh, works. Uh, gee whiz. It has been emitting that Clareton plant has been admitting 35 times the amount of sulfur dioxide it was emitting last year. 35 times the amount of sulfur dioxide is spewing out of its smokestacks because there was a fire there. Okay, fine. If there was a fire there, well, how about rather than making all the people who live downwind in Clareton have to have their lives shortened, have to have their children get asthma, they get asthma too, whatever. Close the friggin' thing down until you can do it right. Anyway, this whole article is like a real black eye. And it says right here, for all of those movers and shakers who read the Wall Street Journal, Pittsburgh is often touted as one of the most livable cities in the United States. But... Its metro area ranks eighth worst out of 187 metro areas for fine particulate pollution. Which is why I know, and I've said this, I love Pittsburgh, but it did give me asthma. I developed asthma in my 50s after living here for 20-some years. And it's lousy asthma. I mean, I take lots of medications. I have uh, whatever. And I have little doubt uh, that it is the air quality uh, here. Pittsburgh pediatricians have found, this is all from the Wall Street Journal, Journal article, that 18%, pretty much one in five, of kids act in Clareton uh, elementary schools have asthma. That's way over what you would expect to see. So here we have a U.S. steel plant that is actually endangering the lives of our neighbors. And you see how tough regulatory government regulation is in this country. And then there was this, and here's how the article ends. And I got to tell you, I looked at this and said, what? I read to you the last two paragraphs. In early February, that would be last month, right? Is it March? Yes. <laughs> what year is it? In early February, with pollutants from the plant and other sources, trapped by weather and geography, Christine Graziano 
and her husband, a professor at the University of Pittsburgh, could not stand the smell and drove to a hotel 100 miles away. Now, the couple, who live in the affluent neighborhood of Shadyside, with their six-year-old son, are considering leaving the city. We're sitting in a soup of chemicals, Ms. Graziano says. Well, when I heard that they left their home and traveled a hundred miles to get away from the smell, I thought they were living like right under the Clareton Coke works. They were living in Shadyside? I... I've lived in Shadyside. I've never, the only thing I ever smelled was the Nabisco plant, which was very, very nice. Um, how could the smell, come on, seriously, how could the smell be so bad in Shadyside that you drive 100 miles to get away from, you could drive anywhere. You could drive to my house. There was no smell there. What the f I mean, are these people slightly overreacting? And then it is that overreaction that, of course, closes up this wonderful story in the Wall Street Journal about Pittsburgh, that it is like living in a soup of chemicals, and that's from people living in Shadyside? What? I'm just saying... Okay, yeah. Milton, thanks. There's all my pictures. He's sending me pictures. There's, yeah, poor Sadat. There's Jimmy Carter. There's Menachem Begin. So that's that's um, the one that Cyrus Vance was involved in. And then the Oslo Peace Accords is Bill Clinton with, that's Rabin. And he got killed. So it wasn't a Ahud Barak. Thank you. So in both instances, I'm looking at people shaking hands, trying to make peace. And in the first one, the Arab, Sadat, was killed by his own afterwards. And in the bottom photo, Yitzhak Rabin was killed by an Israeli after shaking <coughs> Arafat's hand. So you can see why there might be some reluctance on the part of Arab and uh, Israeli leaders <laughs> to make peace. Why don't they wait until they have a leader who's like got terminal something and so you know they can make peace and, and then be blown away. Get two terminal terminally ill uh, leaders, and uh, they can get together and make peace. I don't see how it's going to happen otherwise. Uh, okay. UCLA, by the way, says that they are going to look into uh, any enrolled student who is on campus having misrepresented <laughs> any aspect of their application. And uh, so I bet there's a lot of little rich kids who are quaking in their boots at some of these schools. USC isn't going that far. USC is saying they will reject any current applicants who are connected to the bribery scheme. So they're not kicking anyone out who's already there. Uh, okay. And uh, I don't have my clock again. What, what time we got, Amy? Just so. What? 45. Um, just so I, sorry, I'm going to have to ask a few times. Got to fix this damn thing. Um, while I, while I'm sort of in between here, let me uh, remind you that if you go to Taste Thirty Three O P G H Pittsburgh, Taste 
3OPGHPittsburgh.com, you will see a list of wonderful restaurants, including right. Carlton, The Twisted Frenchman, Bacon, Bourbon, and Beer, Ember and Vine. I don't know a lot of these places. Coast and Maine. <laughs> Car- Carmela's Plates and Pints. 80 Acres Kitchen and Bar. Spork. Majorca. Mola. Anyway, a lot of restaurants. I'm not giving you know, all of them. And they're all participating in um, this uh, Taste 30 PGH uh, in, in which you can go and they'll have a set menu and it will never be it'll cost between 30 and 39 dollars is what they're what they've agreed to and uh it's supposed to be like a great opportunity to sample some of these restaurants just want to let you know that um hang on and let me get Oh, the other thing about, I'm sorry, back to the um, the planes. I, I, I wanted to say that Trump, I, I know, it, I, he, after finally, uh, I guess, agreeing to do this, um, agreed with his staff and folks from the FAA that they would announce the decision to ground the 737 MAX planes, that the FAA would make the announcement because it is the people who make the announcement. It's not the president. It's the FAA who would ground planes. But then Trump's sitting there and reporters are brought in because he had this previously scheduled event where he's talking about how some immigration thing where we're being overrun by hordes of desperate women and children. And as soon as he saw the cameras, he thought, wait a minute, I'm going to do this. This is a big announcement. I'm doing it myself. And so that's why I know when I heard the audio of his making the announcement, it sounded stupid. I mean, because he sounds stupid. It didn't sound like a FAA announcement. Um, anyway, his doing that caught the FAA officials totally uh, by surprise, uh, caught his own White House crew by surprise, and came after he apparently said in the White House that the planes suck. He also, while disparaging the planes, uh, understand that he had just been in Vietnam, you know, for that wonderful uh, wonderful little get-together with uh, Kim Jong-un. And in Vietnam, he had been uh, present when it was announced that the country of Vietnam was going to buy, I think it was a hundred or something, of these planes. This is before the second one fell out of the sky. Um, And here is Trump claiming, just weeks after he attended the event in Hanoi, celebrating Vietnam's purchase of 100 Boeing jets, an American-made product, He's disparaging the product, saying it sucks. Oh, God. Anyway, he's not the person to make the announcement. So, again, just throw out all the... Also, the cozy relationship between Trump and the CEO of Boeing has raised eyebrows 
and it appeared that that relationship kept those planes flying um, long after they'd been grounded in other. Was, so, you know, are these are things being uh, decisions being made about safety <laughs> or are they being made about, you know, who golfs with Trump at Mar-a-Lago? It's when the Canadians pulled out uh, yesterday morning that Trump was left alone and had to, the Americans had to do it too. I couldn't understand why the Canadians had hung in for so long either, except apparently they were getting information uh, from the FAA and, and believing it. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh... G people are sending me stuff. Let me share. Um, GZ said, according to various pilot unions, tens of thousands of hours of Max 8 flying data has been analyzed and no behaviors similar to Lion Air and now Ethiopian Air crash have been observed. I've heard, I don't know, I understand that pilots were raising concerns about this thing that it did, the automatic uh, pilot did. I don't know. Um, Milton has sent me something. Milton, is this worth uh, is this worth sharing with everybody? I shall. The daughter of actress Lori Laughlin reportedly was vacationing in the Bahamas on the yacht of Rick Caruso, who just happens to be the chairman of the USC Board of Trustees, as her parents were named in the federal indictment accusing them of scamming to get their daughters into the school. What? What? So their daughter, while they're being, uh, they're being fingerprinted <laughs> and mugshotted, their daughter is on the yacht of the chairman of the board of the University of Southern California trustees? What a cesspool. Yes, Jade, Olivia Jade, was spending a holiday break with, oh, Caruso's daughter, Gianna. Um... So, how nice. Um, well, they live a different kind of life, don't they? Uh, we've got a, uh, a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hi. How you doing, Mike? I'm okay. Um, on that plane in Ethiopia, wasn't, wasn't that, that the, the device that malfunctioned? In Ethiopia, well, we, we we're waiting for the black box stuff to be. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think they think so. Television, he said it would malfunction. Yeah. And he said you could shut that off, and they didn't do that. And he said they could have handled that manually. So yes, but they didn't the know. Pilot. They these pilots did not know because they had not been. Uh, I guess the manuals or they had not been properly schooled in how to handle what was a design flaw, obviously. American pilots had been told about this. But why should you have to, why should a pilot have to rejigger something that it looks like has already resulted in the deaths of hundreds of innocent people in two crashes? Right. Yeah, I say ground them, too. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Well, thank you. That's what that one pilot said. I don't know. You know, and I, until they changed their mind and decided to ground them, so who knows? Well, ground them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. Hey, guys, I, not that I'm into um, climbing or anything, but I, for some reason, have... Uh, watched two documentaries in the in the last week. 
both having to do with climbing El Capitan. One was the documentary that won the Oscar this year, the Oscar that I thought either Fred Rogers or RBG should have won. But uh, it was it's free solo. So I did watch that. And, and then a friend told me about another documentary called Dawn Wall, which is also the part of El Capitan and how uh, these other two guys uh, climbed that. And they really are. It is amazing what people do. <laughs> it's a, amazing what people physically, emotionally, or uh, are driven to do. And uh, I thought the guy in Free Solo, the one that won the Oscar, who is an amazing, obviously, climber, is such a jerk <laughs> that... I don't understand how any, I couldn't stand watching after a while because I found him so repulsive, so totally self-centered. But in a way, that kind of crazy single-mindedness, I guess, has to be there. Uh, the capacity that these people have for, for uh, pain, for cold, for, <laughs> I, it's amazing what drives some people. And I'm just saying, of the two, I found the one that didn't win the Academy Award the better because the people in that are relatable. And they're obviously just as focused. They're all lunatics, if you ask me. Um, but if you're looking for something that's totally out of your wheelhouse and just to learn how um, how they do it. I just want to say that uh, I would recommend Dawn Wall, which is on Netflix. And what's fascinating about that story is the guy, one of the guys who was followed, has such an extraordinary story because he's a young guy who also was taken hostage by by ISIS or Taliban I don't I think it was like ISIS uh fighters in Kyrgyzstan um he's hanging off a, a a mountain in Kyrgyzstan with two other people and uh they're getting shot someone starts shooting at him and they are finally they come down and they're held captive for five or six days. And finally, the guy who is the focus of the Dawn Wall, um, he manages to kill one of, kill the captor by shoving him off a cliff. And... Uh, I don't think he was ever quite right. In, I, I don't know. It's a fascinating story. And then he goes and climbs this, he does this thing that has never been done and everybody said it was impossible to do. It's pretty uh, amazing. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, he also did it. Is he the one who only has nine fingers? Right. He, <laughs> I mean, this is insane. If you're climbing, free climbing, you're hands, your fingers, your toes, your feet, everything you have have got to be f functioning. And he ends up cutting off one of his fingers in a, you know, using a buzzsaw incorrectly. And there was nobody in the climbing world who thought that he could ever climb again. So this guy who get, gets taken hostage and then he cuts off his friggin' finger he ends up doing something no one had ever done with ten fingers before. So I, he, unlike the creep in Free Solo, I, I think is, is, is a much more intriguing 
um, character. I'm just, okay, so that's my, uh, I'm sorry, I ended this with my uh, movie uh, recommendation of the, of the day. Okay, thank you all very much for being with me uh, today, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll, we'll figure this out. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.